This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. Future Talk with Omiyal Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. It is me, Hany Balkis, with Omnia Saleh, bringing you everything you need to know in the digital world and we're going to be talking about a lot of things today it's a fun filled day right here at the pulse 95 studios and we're talking about how the uae university is going to help paralysis patients with a smart app and yesterday omi and i did talk about privacy concerns with google and i did bring the question about tiktok but now apple has caught on to tiktok secretly spying on millions of iPhone users. Absolutely. And it's quite interesting to find out that TikTok is actually one of the highest privacy breaches applications uh, that have been found by different researchers. And we're definitely going to be telling you all about how Apple was able to catch on TikTok secretly spying on all of us. But also coming up on today's show, we're going to be speaking to an AI expert named Dr. Jamila Amemer, which is going to who's going to tell us all about the impact of artificial intelligence in the fight against COVID-19. Back in the day, we used to be terrified of coronavirus and we of, still are. We still are. But uh, back in the day, we used to be terrified of using artificial intelligence in the fight against pandemics. But now, increasingly, we've been seeing their role in terms of detection of, of coronavirus, but also in the way we treat this pandemic. So we're definitely going to have a very interesting question to address to her, as well as what it, what it, what does AI even mean? You know, we're constantly using it interchangeably with robots so all this and more is going to be coming up yeah and and i don't think many and i i myself before i didn't think ai could uh, could help or aid against the fight against coronavirus but you know you learn something new every day and we're going to be telling you and educating you with uh, dr jamila and it's 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 a very interesting topic so i hope you guys tune in but we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to be giving you everything you need to know about what's happening in the digital world right here only on pulse 95 Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Welcome back to Pulse95. Today we're going to be talking about a university in the UAE and students and how they're helping paralysis patients <laughs> with a smart app. That, that word always is it's a, a mouth. It's a tongue twister. It's a, it's a tongue twister for me. And now this smart app will actually perform intelligent face mapping, data logging, and pro- progression functions for patients. Absolutely. And a lot of people tend to take for granted how easy it is for many of us to move our face. You know, our facial expressions feel a little, you know, as a normal thing for all of us to do. But those who suffer from face paralysis will definitely appreciate this application because now they will be able to regain all of their mobility thanks to a physiotherapy mm. prototype that is being developed by Ajman University alumni. Now, uh, this presentation was actually f- taking place over the past few days and uh, the competition that was taking place was actually having participants from all around the world. The system that they're currently working on is a 3D printed system which is helping Bell's palsy patients conduct their physiotherapy at home through a smartphone application. Now, for those of you who don't know what uh, Bell's palsy is, it's actually a a disease where part of your face Mm. tends to go completely numb. You Mm. can't feel it, you can't move it. And a lot of patients actually struggle with 
telling and uh, expressing themselves yeah. through facial expressions when they have this type of paralysis. Yeah, Onia. When I was in university, unfortunately, uh, one of the one of the students there did have uh, this this Bell's palsy. This Bell's palsy, and you could see it. I think it was uh, under his his eye or his eyebrow. Mm-hmm. He he couldn't usually have that much function in it, yeah. and. And uh, haram, man, you'd feel bad for the guy, especially because he couldn't express that much. We take it for granted how much our facial features actually express. And he was a good sport about it, believe it or not. And and you see see these these kids, he was a good sport about it. He's like, I I know you guys don't know if I'm sad or angry yet, but trust me, I'm sad. And and it's because we couldn't really understand his facial expressions. And we take for granted, Omni, just like you said, how important uh, having a facial expression is. Now, we are kind of suffering with the same thing right now. With the face mask. Oh, yes. Now, how we, you can't know if I'm smiling at you or, or if, you're I'm, frowning. if I'm frowning or not. But uh, the, unfortunately, this is a daily thing for these for these people. So having this smart app is going to make their lives easier in form of communication. Absolutely. And this prototype actually performs the facial physiotherapy as prescribed by the physiotherapist. But it's being done super easily through the smartphone application. Um, the researchers behind this app have also said that the app itself will be able to perform intelligent face mapping. So it'll be able to map exactly where your facial features are. It it will log in all of your progress and it's also going to help it help make it so much easier for you to report back to your physiotherapist once you visit them face to face. Now, this is also coming in handy in the age of coronavirus. Yes. Telemedicine has become the new normal. A lot of us would love to just be able to discuss issues with their doctors through a screen and not have to physically put themselves in danger by going to a hospital. Yes, I mean, now, now uh, not many of you know, but uh, a couple months ago I had tonsillitis mm-hmm. and, and I was in fear of going to the hospital because this was in the beginning of lockdown quarantine we unfortunately we saw cases going up and i was scared to go to the hospital so i don't catch corona and thankfully the hospital that i was at gave me a different type of uh, solution mm-hmm. so i would talk to my doctor on the phone and he would send me a prescription by email that i could show to the pharmacist so i could get the medicine needed to 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 uh, solve my my tonsillitis problem so, so in the age of Corona, this is very, very important. The telemedicine, just like you said, Omnia, and how it's making our lives easier. Again, uh, technology comes in to make your lives easier, and uh, and I'm with it. But sometimes a technology can also be a double-edged oh, sword. Oh, 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 Omnia! This is my favorite part right now <laughs> because we're talking about Apple mm-hmm. and how it suddenly caught on to TikTok secretly spying on millions of iPhone users. Now, it was reported on June 23rd of this year that Apple has actually fixed a serious problem in iOS iOS 14, Mm -hmm. which was due in the fall, where apps can secretly access the clipboard, which is the copy and paste on user devices. Now, once the new OS is released, users will be warned whenever an app reads the last thing copied to the clipboard. Mm -hmm. Now, the app in question, TikTok. Mm. Now, I believe, Omnia, that uh, this started to come to light after a user on Reddit who is a, an app engineer, he reversed engineer. Now, mm. what reverse engineer means is basically you dismantle an app and see it from the beginning, like as if a The car, way it was first created. It, it was formed. Yeah. And... Uh, this person, this this engineer says TikTok is a data collection service. It's not a social media. It's a data collection service. And it it, it is the mask it has is it's a social network. But unfortunately, they this engineer found out that TikTok reads. 
your phone hardware, which is your CPU type, your number of course, hardware ID, screen dimensions. It knows if you're going, well, how big is your screen? How small is your screen? And a lot of people tend to not know why is this information all important? Because if someone wants to hack into your, your device, yeah. it's very easy it, if they have access to all this information. It's basically your address. How can I, st- how can I rob your house if I don't know your True. address? <laughs> so they knew the DPI, the memory usage, the disk space. They knew how much memory wow. you had on your phone. And uh, they also knew everything about network, uh, your IP, your local IP, your router Mac, your Mac address. So not Mac computers, a Mac address that is specific, specifically for your device mm-hmm. that some people have, some companies do ban Mac addresses or, or so you can never go to that website with that device. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would know whether you're rooted, which is like a jailbreak for Android users. And they would knew, know if you're jailbroken yeah. on your iPhone. They also had your GPS pinging enabled. So what this oh, what does God. this mean? That they would ping your phone every 30 seconds. So when they would ping your phone, They'd know your the, the latest, the, the, the nearest tower would get, would ping your phone and go back and they would know your location. They knew what, wherever you were. And they even had a transcoding media that they could even see your pictures on your device because you're allowing access. And the thing is, a lot of us just press allow, allow without uh, necessarily knowing what, what are we allowing yeah. those people access for? Yeah, n- now, nowadays, we allow access to everything, whether it was the Face app that we had back in, I think it was Clearview, last year. Yeah. Back in la- last year, we were talking about uh, how Face app was taking your data. But the fact is, Omnia, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what app it is, I tell you as a fact that it will take your data. It True. will use your data, for whether it's for malicious things or for marketing things or whatever. But unfortunately... TikTok is an app for people from the age of three all the way to 70. And it's gaining it's a, even more traction nowadays with the quarantine and yeah. all coronavirus lockdown. E- e- everyone's on that app. Everyone's celebrities, moms, dads, grandparents. It's a it's a nice app. I'll be honest. It's fun. It's, it's a fun, fun app to watch, to watch and use. Watch and use. And unfortunately, out of so Facebook since the beginning of time, it's been bashed because uh, it takes so much data, privacy, privacy concerns. Instagram owned by Facebook, WhatsApp owned by Facebook, Google has been getting privacy concerns. But t- TikTok, if you combine them all, they wouldn't have a percentage of what of TikTok what. does. So, so the reverse engineer said. Mm-hmm. In comparison with with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it is a cup of water in an ocean compared to TikTok. Man, if that did not freak anyone out there using TikTok. A a cup of water to an ocean. We know how big is the ocean. We don't even know how big is the ocean. It's, we're know. in 2020. We haven't explored the full ocean. And that only shows you how big of a damage TikTok is causing when it comes to breaching users' privacies. Let mm-hmm. us know if you are a regular user of TikTok. Are you worried about your privacy being oh. breached or are you going to keep on using this application? And another thing, just I just want to put it out there, that even if you deleted an app only nine months ago, it will still it will know yeah. what app you had and how long you had it installed for. So you basically can't really reverse the damage, but you can prevent further damage. From yeah, and and Omnia, if 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 you're smart enough, of or you and I are smart enough to, rev, to to mess with the app apps 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 program and kind of block these things, mm-hmm. it's it's like a maze, Omnia. You block one, two opens again. You block two, one opens again. So they have you, very you, clever ways around it. It's coming from China. China are smart people. Chinese are thing. smart people. It has Chinese origins, which also opens up another question: How come a lot of the applications that are created in China? are typically made as tracking devices. Because, because we know, Omnia, that China has always been tracking their, their people. Citizens, their citizens. Their citizens. And, 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 and even, Omnia, to create, I believe, 
uh, there was a game that mm. to create an account on that game, you need to show your passport. Yeah, you need to show your ID, your birth certificate to create a game. Yeah, because they want to know what you said. And, and, and you say, oh, I didn't say that. Oh, how do you know it's me? But everything is connected to their ID. Absolutely. It is basically a social credit system. So let us know, are you a regular user of TikTok? And will you continue using TikTok even after knowing that it is breaching your privacy? Share your thoughts with us. We'd love to shout you out on air. 4215, it's or do Coming up, lots is still in, f- in store on Future Talk. Keep Pulse95 locked. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. 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 Future Talk with Omiyal Saleh and Hani Balkas on Pulse 95. Before COVID-19, most people had some degree of fear or worry about robots and artificial intelligence. We thought that they are out to take over our jobs, or worse, some people even thought that they were out there to control us. Once COVID-19 hit, AI had its golden chance to go ahead and rewrite its story. AI has given many students the joy to go ahead and graduate from university, from school, amidst a global pandemic through the use of telepresence robots. And it has also served as noisy fans in otherwise empty stadiums in a lot of sport games when no humans could actually attend. But most importantly, it has definitely been curbing the spread of the virus through contact tracing apps that have been used in different countries around the world and right here in the UAE. Joining us today is AI expert Dr. Jamila Amamer, who is the CEO at MindSenses Global, an artificial intelligence management consultancy based in London. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jamila. Hello, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Very happy to be with you. And the pleasure is all ours. Now, to kickstart off uh, this interview, we want to go step by step. So what is AI? What is artificial intelligence? That's a good question because there's a lot of hype around AI. So there are a lot of definitions. Usually the definition I use, I refer back to uh, John McCarthy. So he was the first person to coin the the term artificial intelligence in 1956. Mm -hmm. And his definition was that AI is the science and the engineering of intelligent machines. Oh, wow. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, within AI, we have subcategories. So Mm. the most famous one is uh, machine learning. Then we have computer vision. We have natural language processing. We have obviously the robotics uh, uh, robots uh, aspects. But all Mm. these are part of AI. In a way, AI is a combination of different disciplines. So you find mathematics, statistics, computer science, uh, n- uh, neuroscience, all those different fields coming together to form AI. Now, I have a very important question because a lot of people tend to use the term robotics as a synonym for artificial intelligence. So in your opinion, are they the same exact thing or is there a difference between what a robot is and what artificial intelligence is? There is a slight difference. So uh, you could have a robot that does mundane thing, but has absolutely no learning mm-hmm. or kind of intelligence. So I think the, the key to differentiate whether it's AI or not is the ability of the system to learn. So if the robot is the learning through doing, then yes, it, it is an AI robot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, uh, how can AI, how can we use, use this technology to fight COVID-19? 
Yeah, so since the uh, the emergence of COVID, there have been uh, several applications of AI uh, uh, in the US, in China, in Canada, in India, like across the globe. And mm. uh, so one thing to know about AI, it is really, really good at detecting patterns. Mm. And then based on those patterns, then the machine then will go and make predictions. So there have been some areas where AI has been helping, uh, you know, to fight COVID. One is around predicting the spread of the infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is around um, detecting whether the patient are already ill, you know, whether they caught uh, COVID or not. And then another one in terms of uh, trying to discover new drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's interesting that you mention uh, the fact about AI being used in detecting because I actually heard that even before the whole world was aware of the threat that is created by coronavirus, artificial intelligence actually detected the outbreak of an unknown type of pneumonia in China, which we now know to be coronavirus. So uh, how how does AI pick up on those patterns and can it actually learn from its own mistakes? Yes, if it is done in the proper way. So the um, so in terms of the detection or testing patients, so one of the uh, the good application of AI is around computer vision and uh, you know image recognition. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it has already had like a lot of success when it comes to cancer in terms of detecting uh, you know cancer by uh, you know reading uh, you know scans. So the same principle has been applied for COVID. So uh, taking scans of like lungs and chest like the machine can kind of analyze whether like the the lungs have like lesion or have like any kind of like you know signs of of covid mm-hmm. because obviously the machine is so powerful in terms of going to the tiniest you know pixel mm-hmm. in, in a picture and this which you know we as a human we don't have that power we could miss it yeah and this is where machine learning comes in because the ai will start to detect mm-hmm. and know which place in the lung is uh, is mostly affected by covid-19 Absolutely. And uh, a big part of that will have to do with the testing. Obviously, mm. the, the tool has to be tested. So you have to show it some scans of uh, a patient that we already know they yeah. have, uh, uh, you know, COVID. And then based on that, then the machine will try to start, you know, picking up on, you know, patterns mm. and detecting kind of like how those lesions could look like in the scan. And then based on that, you know, it will detect. And obviously, the more, the te- you know, the bigger the testing, the, the, the higher the accuracy rate at the end of, of the day. I mean, honestly, if we once upon a time thought that AI could not come in handy or it's trying to take over our jobs, COVID-19 has definitely shown us that it is the only form of technology that is completely immune to this virus and when we can't go ahead and put ourselves in the face of danger ai is definitely there to do that for us coming up on future talk we still have lots and lots in store for you all we're going to be taking a short break but once we come back we're going to be talking all about the use of artificial intelligence in contact tracing if you have any questions for dr jamila make sure you dm us at pulse 95 radio on instagram or slide into our dms on or text us in at 4215 do or it is a lot keep pulse 95 locked we'll be right back you're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Future Talk with Omiyal Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. Technology has many advantages, but I think the biggest one of them, especially in the age of coronavirus, is the fact that it is completely immune 
to this uh, virus itself. And this is exactly why joining us today is Dr. Jamila Amemer, who is the CEO at Mind Senses Global, an artificial intelligence management consultancy based all the way in London. She's joining us today to give us a little bit of a better perspective on what AI is doing in the fight against this pandemic. Uh, Dr. Jamila, can you share with us a little bit about how uh, AI has been helping out when it comes to treating patients who are in triage, who maybe expect that they have coronavirus, but are not quite sure? Yeah, uh, thanks, Omnia. That's uh, a very relevant question. So we know from the data and the statistics we've seen so far from COVID is that um, COVID doesn't impact everyone at the same level. So there have been some people who have been, you know, little impacted or even no symptoms at all. And then at the other spectrum, you have like people who have been severely impacted uh, by COVID to the point of, you know, uh, dying. So we have those two extremes. So when it comes to triage, so knowing a patient uh, has COVID, it's very important to know whether they're going to have the severe type of COVID or whether they're going to have the easier kind of kind of asymptomatic uh, of COVID. Mm-hmm. yeah so what kind of then AI has been useful so again going back to detecting patterns so based on the data we know of the people across the globe who caught uh, COVID in terms of their um, age profile, ethnic uh, heritage, uh, their uh, healthy, you know, their uh, lifestyle, whether they're ill or they have a certain type of illnesses, whether they have like, for example, vitamin uh, D deficiency. So kind of all those kind of parameters, AI will look at, it will detect a pattern, and then given a patient, it will predict in advance whether the patient is likely to have the severe form of uh, COVID or not. This is very valuable because if kind of uh, uh, we know a patient today has got COVID, and if AI is predicting that that particular person will have the severe type of COVID, then we can then prioritize the treatment Absolutely. for that person. We can give them kind of more intensive type of like treatment, you know, to avoid them being in that severe case in the first place. Absolutely. So this is what we call uh, triage. Mm. And I feel like it's you can better provide them when you expect that this is the case that you're going to be receiving at a hospital. Mm. Yeah, and I, I believe and, and, and studies show that early detection is, is the most efficient. I mean, uh, you catch a wall, it's still not as effective and then you can aid the person who has COVID. But I want to ask, how can we harness AI's potential to tackle COVID-19? And in the future, unfortunately, if we do have a pandemic, uh, how can we remove some of its risks? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, um, there are like uh, different risks around uh, around AI. So there is the uh, you know the ethical use of AI, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like touches on the tracing bit that maybe you know we can talk later on about. Uh, there is uh, obviously. AI thrives in data. Mm-hmm. So you have to have data first, you know, to apply AI. So one thing is, you know, we need to start collecting kind of like data and then, you know, uh, in open source so everyone can access them and, you know, we can collaborate and share with that. The second bit, obviously, it's the quality of the data because whether you use AI or a very simplistic analytical uh, tool, mm-hmm. we all know that it's garbage in, garbage out. So it's very important that you know we have a good quality data. When it comes to predicting the spread of uh, of COVID or any p- future pandemic uh, crisis, 
I think for any type of AI application, the domain knowledge is very, very important. So if you're applying AI in banking, it's important that you know about banking. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies. So if we are applying AI for a pandemic uh, you know, uh, um, problem, it is important to have the domain knowledge of pandemic. So we need to collaborate and work and bring people who knows the science of pandemics, you know, the mm. scientists who work in this area. So it's kind of bringing kind of like the domain knowledge with the good quality data, with some governance around, you know, addressing the ethical use of AI. And hopefully that will be a good way, you know, to use AI for future pandemics. Absolutely. And speaking of the ethical use of AI, we've seen many efforts when it comes to contact tracing um, that has been mm. done to control the spread of COVID-19. We've seen big tech giants like Google and Apple in early April trying to create this application and working on their own technology. But the drive behind contact tracing has definitely had a lot of controversy, mainly around the use of ethical AI and what is happening to our information. Is our privacy being breached? Are we tracked 24 seven? And is our location being tracked around the clock? I'm wondering what is your take on it? Do you believe that using AI can breach our privacy and what can we do to protect it? Yeah, I think there are like two points. So one to make around tracing. Let's kind of make the fact that tracing is very, very important when it comes to pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's done by AI, whether it's done by human or by, you know, hand, you know, <laughs> this is kind of like the scientists. This is how they, call the, they tackle uh, pandemics. They trace all the people who have been in contact with like uh, someone who's been ill and, you know, and try you know, to confine the, the, the illness. Now, when it comes to using AI, let's recognize that AI is a tool. So, you know, a, a tool is not good or bad, it's how you use it. Absolutely. Yeah? So we know tracing is good. We know that like if we, we use AI in a good way, then the tracing, you know, using AI is also going to be good. Mm -hmm. So it's all about kind of... Um, intention. The intention. So kind of, yeah, so kind of like the governance around the, those kind of apps that are being developed. You know, who is collecting the data? Who is sharing the data? Do we have a third party who's accessing the data? Is the 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 you know the the length kind of like lifetime of the app only within the COVID and once COVID is over, then kind of we switch off? Or whether kind of those bodies are still continuing to collect the data? I love that so you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. I love <laughs> that you mentioned that because there was a lot of talk around around China still using these contact tracing apps even after COVID leaves our lives. They wanted to use them, I think, as a social credit system mm -hmm. to track their citizens around the city. Uh, and, and with the QR code, the wrist wristbands, I, I, feel, I feel that uh, they're, they're taking advantage of the current situation <laughs> we're in to kind of implement this slowly. And soon enough, it will be part of our daily lives and we don't even know it yet. Yeah. So I think kind of the, the the use of AI as a tool could be very beneficial. It's just how and the how you know we need the governance body and we need to urge those countries you know to really think carefully about it and you know to push for regulations in you know, of this field. Absolutely. And as societies start to adopt AI more and more when it comes to contact tracing or even in the way uh, organizations work, we really need to be mindful that, as you mentioned, AI is only as good as our intention can be. Coming up on Future Talk, the conversation with Dr. Jamila is still uh, going to be continuing. So make sure you send in your questions at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram or text us in at 4215. It's a lot or do. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. This is Pulse95. Future Talk 
with only Al Saleh and Henny Balkis on Pulse 95. Now, in recent years, we've seen the use of AI kind of advance, and we've seen AI being used in almost everything and even medicine. But uh, this year, uh, kind of a- a coronavirus took the spotlight out of AI, and it's been the talk of the year. But now <laughs> we're seeing how AI, and we're talking about how AI can tackle the coronavirus and detect it from early on. Absolutely. And joining us today is AI expert Dr. Jamila Amemer, who is the CEO at Mind Senses Global, an artificial intelligence management consultancy based all the way in London. And she is joining us today to tell us more about what it means to use artificial intelligence in the age of coronavirus, but also how can we harness AI's potential uh, to tackle this pandemic? Dr. Jamila, can you tell us a little bit about what is the future of AI post-COVID-19? Hopefully, inshallah, we're going to find a vaccine for this virus and it'll be out of our lives. But the use of technology definitely proved to be effective in such time of hardship. So in your opinion, what can we expect of AI post-COVID-19? I think we will expect to see more of AI. I think one of the lessons we have learned you know, from COVID-19 in terms of AI deployment you know, you've been amazed how quickly those AI tools and AI applications suddenly become kind of available. Mm -hmm. So in terms of kind of like how lengthy, you know, to to turn uh, over AI application, it it has been very quick. The other lessons we should carry on is kind of like, we shouldn't forget about the ethical and, you know, the data privacy that like has to be sorted, you know, whenever using AI. But I think in terms of uh, AI in the future, we will see more adoption and acceleration of uh, the adoption of AI. AI has been is being used to uh, tackle uh, COVID. I would like to see continuing, like you know, let's not forget about uh, climate change. Why not you know use AI to tackle uh, you know uh, our biggest problem of uh, climate change? But also because of the economies have been hit by COVID, mm-hmm. AI can play a pivotal role in terms of uh, you know reviving uh, businesses. So using AI to reduce costs to improve margins, to improve customer satisfactions. So all these, you know, will be a great applications uh, for AI Abs- in a business. Absolutely. Um, I want to touch a little bit upon how it can help us economically. In your opinion, uh, how can, let's say, retail stores or even small businesses implement AI to help them thrive, especially now that a lot of people have been struggling in terms of gaining traction, gaining more customers? Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of we've already seen because obviously of the COVID and the restriction in terms of like people, you know, being able to move and go physically to stores. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, data and AI, you know, is playing a, a, a big role. So the ability of, you know, having like virtual shops or like where people can shop virtually. Online they can, stores. Uh, that's that's very uh, very important. Obviously, AI play, plays a, a, a role in that. Um, the ability to find the right kind of customer is also very important because now, because of the economic downturn, we don't have a lot of resources that could be wasted in maybe non-efficient uh, routes. So, using AI to uh, you know to personalize you know uh, sales and marketing is mm-hmm. going to be very important for retail and e-commerce and, you know, the, this kind of uh, businesses. Now, now, since we're talking about that, I want to ask, is it expensive, the use of AI? Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it expensive or is it cost efficient? How, how, how much does it cost to use AI or implement AI in a business? 
That's a very uh, uh, relevant uh, uh, question. So there isn't a straight answer because it all depends on what are you mm. going to apply AI for. Mm -hmm. So the good news about AI is that like a lot of things available there. So for example, a lot of things that are available in open source. So you wouldn't have to, if you are a business, mm -hmm. If you don't have a very, very specific problem and mm. unique problem, it's likely that kind of like the solution is out there. So you can pick it from an open source, uh, you know, uh, venue or mm. you go for a commercially uh, available package. And then so you don't start from scratch. Mm. Uh, so it may not be that expensive as you might think, mm -hmm. but uh, if you are looking for like a very high uh, fancy AI that is like, you know, that runs on real time, that you will need like a lot of cloud computing power. Oh, yeah. so that, that could push you into kind of, you know, the, the expensive uh, spectrum. So it all depends how you use it and the scope uh, of it. Very interesting. I mean, we're in the day and age 2020. Uh, AI has been around for a while, but we're seeing it now pick up in our daily lives. So it's very interesting. And I'm excited to see what uh, the future holds for AI or what AI holds for the future. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, I think the highlight of today's interview was definitely the fact that AI is only a tool and how good or bad it is depends on our intention. Dr. Jamila Amemar, thank you so much for joining us today. It's definitely been a very insightful conversation. Thanks for having me. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in right here on Future Talk. Future Talk is coming to an end, but we're going to be opening the airwaves for the host of the only place to be at three, the host of the halftime show, Omar Duri. How you doing? I'm doing great. I, I How are you? I, I don't like the tone you're starting with. Yeah, I'm I know. Very, I can very feel very his energy is off. The half, no, no. The, half, the yeah. halftime show is a very exciting show that covers a lot of serious matters. And I need you to bring that same energy to Future Talk when you bring it on halftime show. <laughs> Should we, should we try that again? All right. So yeah. we're going to be introducing maybe, maybe Omar I should, Maybe I should change the vibes. Well, yeah, now it's... <laughs> now we're... Just stand up. All right, go ahead. I think you're still in weekend mode, Omar. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you guys doing? I like that, Omar. <laughs> Listen. Now, okay, you tell me. See? On the halftime show today... Yes. I'm going to tell you what's happening. What's Ooh, happening? What's okay. happening? What do you guys think of leadership? Leadership. It's important. Okay. How important is it? It is important because it is the lead. What do you look for in a leader? A leader, some someone who I can depend on. Empathy. Empathy, yeah. What so, else? Someone um, I, I can depend on, someone that can take full control and responsibility. I and don't agree full control. Now we're like, talking. I feel like you need to push and pull. Like He needs to be able to listen to his team, but at the same time, no one to take control over things. So uh, already that tells you what kind of leader Omnia you would be. Thanks. And Hayat tells me what kind of leader you would be. <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily true. It's what, how we see, <laughs> our, uh, we, we see leaders in our life and how they act. Okay, but you what see? do you take from them and how does it affect your leadership? Mm -hmm. I think if I started this conversation, Amar, we would have Future Talk Halftime. And that's why you should tune in on the Halftime Show because I'm discussing leadership, I'm discussing the importance of it. And I'm also discussing what makes a successful leader. Mm -hmm. And it happened recently with one of the athletes that isn't technically as gifted, mm -hmm. but has just won the Premier League with uh, Liverpool in football. And he wasn't seen as someone that's very, very good. But now he's amongst the greats because of his leadership skills and not his technical skills. So I'm going to be discussing mm. that on the show today. And, and I think the beauty about that, Omar, is that even with football, you can implement it on your daily and even manage your life. Absolutely. And that's why the topic of the day is leadership. What defines a leader? What makes you a successful leader? Have you been 
around good and bad leaders and why. And if you want to know what takes what it takes to be a successful leader, you definitely need to tune into the Halftime Show where you're going to get everything from physical health to mental fitness. All this and more is going to be coming up in just a few moments. But make sure you tune in once again tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m. because we're going to be bringing you the latest that's happening in the tech world, in the UAE and around the world. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.